Hi, I'm Sarah Griffin. I'm here for Film Ireland and for the Women in Film and Television podcast. And I'm here with Julie Ryan, producer of The Young Offenders, which is out in cinema Friday the 16th. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and uh, it jointly won the best Irish feature at this year's Film Flat. So, first of all, thanks a million for taking the time to talk with us. Thanks a million for having me in. Yeah, and um, we'll jump straight into it. First question, how did you become involved in The Young Offenders? Um, well, uh, I've worked with Peter Foote for years, actually, and I was... Um, God, he actually used to live above an office that I worked in uh, years ago. I used to do Nationwide in capital D. (laughs) And uh, Peter and his now wife, Hilary, used to live above us. So I kind of got to know him then. And then I went away for um, three years working abroad. And um, I came back uh, kind of half on holidays and met Peter. And he taught me about a show he was doing called The Fear. Mm -hmm. He was doing with Derek Dillon, who we work with a lot as well. And I was like, straight away, yeah, sounds great. Let's do it. So we ended up making four seasons of that together, um, and then at the same time we're kind of in development and a lot of other things, and so we've been working together now like for, I suppose, around three or four years, like on and off since I came back, but I've known him for years. He called me up one day, and we made two seasons of The Fear back-to-back, because RT were kind of worried that people would get to know the characters, it's a hidden camera show, you know. So then that summer we didn't have another show to make and we're like, right, instead of going to work for other people, let's just go on ahead and like make a movie. We both wanted to make a movie. We're like, you know, we both made multiple shorts before. So we're like, right, this is the time to do it. Yeah. Um, and then he went away and thought about it for probably like five minutes, came up with like loads of different ideas. <laughs> and uh, he just called me in the car one day and was like, um, I have an idea for a movie. And he just pitched me and, and straight away I was like, I'm in, yeah. let's do it. Yeah. We're like, we had no idea how we're going to do it. We didn't have crew, we didn't have finance. We're like, right, we're going to do it. So we just made that decision straight yeah. away. And, and this then, was your first feature start to finish, wasn't it? This is my first feature producing and also Peter's first feature as a writer-director producer. Right, okay. um, so, so you're both out there together? Kinda yeah. <laughs> if we're both going to fall, we will fall together. Yeah. <laughs> and I think that was the case for a lot of people on the crew as well. It was kind of a first-time effort where I suppose everyone was like, you know, very, like really, really up for it. And mm. I mean, Peter's... Enthusiastic. Yeah, exactly. Like yeah. there wasn't one person who wasn't enthusiastic on the crew. Like it was kind of like when they were getting on board, it was like, are they good crack? Yeah. yeah brilliant. <laughs> are you up for this? I mean, the the story itself wasn't hard to like, you know, pitch down because it's based on a, you know, a real life story of mm-hmm. the drugs bust down in West Cork. And the whole story itself is actually like comical. And uh, I mean, you know the story, mm-hmm. like, you know, the drugs bust down yeah. in Dunlock Bay back in 2007. So basically um, the drug dealers uh, came in and they miscalculated the amount, um, the weight on some of the bales of cocaine. Mm-hmm. And uh, so they put them in a dinghy and uh, the dinghy capsided. And um, so two of the drug dealers were basically drowning and the other one went to get help. And then all hell broke loose and everyone came down and the police were there and everyone was there and all the bales were floating in the water. And the next day it was all over the news. Yeah. So all the locals were kind of saying like it was a very odd number, you know, that was found. So this is the story of the extra bail that yeah. wasn't found, you know. <laughs> Perfect, yeah. Um, as I said, the story was comical in that they even called the boat was named the unlucky day, like, you know. <laughs> so, like, all the locals had a story about what happened or they found a bale here or found a bale there. And when we so actually... had a lot of legs, like, your idea, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Like, there was just comedy jumping, like, from, like, yeah. the page, you know. But we, we even went down there on a recce and um, we, it was myself and Hilary and Peter and Paddy and uh, we stopped just to take a look at this bridge we thought would be good for them to jump off. 
we basically kind of parked just like on the corner, not even like a proper parking space. Hillary was like, uh, I think something's happening with the car. And we look back and we're like, she's like, I think they're robbing us. And we're like, no one's robbing us. Like, what are you talking about? Next thing, she starts legging it back. We realise that the car has pulled up, smashed her window, robbed all her bags out of the back in like two seconds. And she was like legging it back. And then we all started legging it back. So then we hopped in the car and took chase after this other car. <laughs> we didn't know what we were doing, like, and went down the road and stopped a local. We are like, where did that car go? You know, Hillary remembered the reg and the colour and everything. And so we went on this wild goose chase after this car. And then we lost them, but we called the police. And there was none of the local police were around because there was a big race on that day, you know. So then we were like, let's go to Bandon Police Station. Went there and they put out a call and it just so happens that whoever was like on the radio at the race looked up at the same time and they saw that car with that description wow. going past them so then they got in the car and took chase and they actually caught them like uh, they followed them into the city and they caught them up there and it turns out they had robbed a load of people down before us and yeah. robbed everyone and but they had thrown our bags out and thrown everything out along the way. But uh, we actually, they threw them out fairly soon after they left us. So we actually went down on foot and we went around looking everywhere. And the locals kept kind of stopping and they're like, oh, are you the ones looking for the bags or are you the ones looking for the dog? Because two people were going around. But I don't know, we ended up getting everything back, like, bar one thing. But uh, it was pretty ironic. That's like, serious on location shooting. On like... the young offenders recce, we got robbed. But yeah, so Peter, like, basically, he put pen to paper and yeah. wrote it like in record time and like I mean the script totally evolved but like the core idea was there from the start and like it was always it was funny from the second he gave us the first draft you know and it keeps it quite natural as well you know if you're if, if it's blown like that from a story that people will remember you know it's going to it's going to feel real yeah and know? also it's kind of loosely based on like <laughs> him and his friend going on a trip down to West Cork <laughs> back in the day so I don't so know it's if got local see, colour <laughs> I don't know if Wilderpoo was in their story, but, uh, you know, a lot of the gags would have came out of his own experiences yeah. and his friends' experiences, you yeah. know. Great, okay. Um, so, you know, when, when you look at the kind of things that you've done over the years, you're, you've got quite an eclectic kind of background, which is great because all of that experience, I'm sure, has fed into where you are now, you know, um, but, I mean, you, were, you did a sport, you were a sportscaster, you were... Um, working storyboarding you know so you were involved in quite a lot and before you started getting into the kind of producer level stuff mm-hmm. and of course you travelled quite yeah. a lot so you were in America you were in LA you were in Hollywood yeah. and Vancouver and Australia so you, you were working with quite a few different industries I suppose before before coming back again to Ireland bit of variety like yeah <laughs> um, and I mean like does it, do you feel that it's in a way a necessary evil to leave Ireland and, and, and go away to other countries and experience sort of bigger industries because our own is, it is small, you know, I mean, we have to, we have to say mm. it's, a small, it's a smaller industry, even though we produce some movies that are just worldwide, <laughs> you know, smashes. Um, do you feel that that's a necessary thing? Did you feel that moving away was something that you needed to do at that point? I always knew I wanted to work in, like, film and TV, and, like, mm. I kind of fell into um, film after college. Um, so I went to UCD, and I did Irish and information studies. Right. So I'm basically, like, an Irish-speaking librarian. Yeah. Not anymore, but... <laughs> hey, I take, I take the catalogging helps, you know, when you're doing all the work for producing. Nothing's ever wasted. All about the cataloging. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, but because I went to UCD then, like, I was involved in the radio there, mm. and, like, that's kind of how I got into media, I suppose. But I always knew and I wanted to they have a very strong film school there as well. They do now. Yeah, they didn't really have much going when I was there at the time. They didn't actually have the film school, oh, but okay. um, but I liked kind of both anyway, you yeah. know, which was great. Like, um, and then I did my postgrad in Griffith in journalism mm-hmm. and media communications, um, 
which was great and yeah. they have a great um, broadcast course there and uh, Tanya Doyle was like you know my teacher and mm-hmm. made some great documentaries and that was kind of the first the kind of the start for me you know and, but I had um, a sports um, teacher Don McLean who's mm-hmm. um, you know works in the industry and he worked in uh, sport and TV3 and I like I love sport as well I may not be the most knowledgeable person at <laughs> <in> sport <laughs> but um, I was like right I really want to be a sportscaster yeah. and that was just a kind of you know I jumped many things oh this is what I want to do this week so um, I managed to get into um, TV3 and I trained there in the um, sports department uh-huh. so that's when I started doing a bit of sports reporting um, on Air Com League Weekly <laughs> um, so I think they were just having a laugh really throwing me out you didn't but, have uh, Champions League stuff back then no. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think uh, Karen Holden was having a bit of a laugh at my expense, really <laughs> sending me out to the pitch on a Friday night, and I'd just kind of be asking the other reporters, uh, yeah. was that a goal? Is he, <laughs> is he offside? What's going on here? Um, so that was kind of started off in TV, and then I did a lot of other different things, like Nature yeah. My Capital Day, I worked on the panel, and that's kind of what got into comedy, worked on the panel with Jim Cassidy, who's like mm-hmm. a genius, and um, um, so then I went from there, and that's when I kind of decided I was like... 20, we were on 24 then, yeah. and um, I was like, right, I was just kind of getting antsy, and I was like, okay, is, is this it, like just RG for the rest of my life, yeah. and um, so I, I literally was going over the dark line, and saw like, fly to Los Angeles, like sign above it, and I was like, right, that's it. I'm off, <laughs> told my parents, and they were like, what, and I was like, yeah, I'm going, that's it, you can't stop me, so um, my boss at the time actually kind of knew someone over there, and he's like, look, I can't really, you know, I've no other context for you over here except this one guy who might be able to tell you something. So I just basically like stalked that guy, Marcus Fox, <laughs> legend, for a while. You know, but contacts, I mean, that is, that is how you get your foot in the door, you know. Exactly, so, yeah. It makes sense, I mean, to, to go over there at least having a name that you can be introduced to other people and start to... Yeah, exactly, phone, and that's know? kind of the way it was, like, yeah. and he's really good for that kind of stuff. And even when I got over there after I'd been there a few years, then he would be like, you know, pass it on. So then he'd be like, right, now this person's moving over, yeah. you, sh- you show them the ropes, you introduce them to other people. Great, um, yeah. So yeah, I just went over and um, I managed to get a sponsor, which is great. Um, and then, so I was working there for a couple of years um, in a creative marketing company. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of, we did the um, the BTS on like major feature, film, major feature films. So like, you know, all the behind the scenes. So we'd go on set and we'd interview everyone from the producer, the director, the actors, to the costumers, you know, to the floor staff, to everyone. So kind of got a good gauge of everything that goes on and, yeah. and that was film and TV you know so we had a, a TV show about behind the scenes of films mm-hmm. but also we would do the mini docs for the DVDs of you know major yeah. films which is great and that's live action to animation it was kind of like jackpot for me because I um, got to work in uh, Disney a lot you yeah. know they were doing like um, Princess and the Frog at yeah. the time and like we Tangled and so like it was just to be in the Disney studios, like and to see how different that is, like that whole production. Oh yeah, but just being there around the top people in the world just just makes you want it more. Do you know yeah, that kind of way? Yeah. Just seeing where you could go, like yeah. so it was just like, and I mean, as everyone, a lot of people say, like you go over there and it kind of it does give you a new lease for life. And I know a lot of people are like, it's not for them if you go there, but I I firmly believe if you surround yourself by the right people over there, it's the best place to be yeah. in the world, you know. Yeah, because um, there's always there's always a goal in front of you then. You can you yeah. can see you can see people in positions or in you know in, in roles that you would aspire to then and you know Exactly like and yeah. a lot of people I think especially if you're Irish going over there are very willing to mentor you like and yeah. you know kind of introduce you into 
into whatever you're interested in, you know. So I had, like, a lot of American friends, a lot of Irish friends. I was really lucky I had good Irish friends kind of over there who weren't in the industry as well, like, so it kind of all fed into it. Like, you know, I got to live kind of by the beach in mm-hmm. Santa Monica, but then I'd work in Hollywood. Great. So yeah. I was like, I work in Hollywood! Yeah. <laughs> and I'm living on the beach. <laughs> yes. Yeah, exactly. Um, but, no, so that was great, like... And, and was mentoring an important part of it? Like, did you, did you have... Did you find that that was something that was necessary, like, was needed when you... Oh, definitely. I think every job I've ever had, mentors, I just, like, cling to people. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and, like, I've just always been lucky enough that, you know, like... The, great people. Yeah, like, yeah. you know, big time, like, just willing to, like, if I can help them enough in their day-to-day, you know, then they'll impart really important information yeah. to me, you know. And so, that's something that you, you think you do, you do yourself then. Like you were saying, when people start coming over, you would actually take them Yeah, no, of course, like, and, you know, pass it on, like, as much yeah. as I could possibly give to anyone but even like depending on whatever level I was at like if I was able to you know if I was an assistant I was able to tell people how easier to get into an assistant job you know yeah. and that it's the same way it doesn't matter what position you're in you still have something to give you yeah. know even if you're at the lowest rung you can help someone figure out how to get onto that rung exactly. you know you know that kind of way yeah but like so yeah I've had some amazing like mentors male and female like along the way you know yeah and did, did coming back to Ireland, was that, was that something that you had planned or was it sort of things became available and you decided actually now, now is the time when I can do something in Ireland? And um, no, well like I'd always, like when I went over I didn't, it wasn't like I was planning on going there forever. It yeah. wasn't that I wasn't planning on going there forever either. I was like, let's just go, see what happens and mm-hmm. just do it. And uh, it was kind of like a bit random how I came back because I was sponsored in, in LA and then... Um, I was moving to another company and it was the time of the year when the visas were up. So it was my first time getting a new visa. So I didn't actually know that you couldn't get it at this time of year or that they were gone. So I was like, oh, sugar, I have to go in like two weeks. Um, And I was really annoyed because I just got a job working on behind the scenes of Glee. (laughs) (laughs) It's the dream. (laughs) It is for me. How sad is that? But I thought my life was made. Oh my God, I get to be on Glee. I have the worst music in the world, apparently taste um but but you're not you're not doing the music on independence oh i wasn't let near okay. it <laughs> not for so that's a second fine. i don't that's think fine. i liked they didn't put in it basically um so, so i to move yeah so i was like right where do i go that's as close to here as possible so that i can come back down um that has a big industry mm-hmm. so i was like right i'll go to vancouver it's a little bit easier to get a visa for there i don't have to get a media visa mm-hmm. um because at the time i was under 30 and i was able to get the working visa there so I went down there and um, started working on an aviation documentary, which was very random. Yeah. <laughs> um, From Walt Disney to aviation documentary? Well, I was just looking for any job at yeah, all, you know. I mean, before yeah. I did that, uh, I was working on set as a PA one day, and my job was solely to turn the light on and off for <laughs> every, like, ten seconds. It was one of those lights where, like, it automatically switches off, you know? Oh, and but, but, but the click would, like, kill the sound. So I would just stand next to it and wait for it. Click. Just try and get it all day long before, so it wouldn't ruin the set. That so you've was got great rhythm. Great, great. <laughs> so I was like, right, this might not be for me after two days. Um, so then, yeah, I started working the Evasion documentary. It was great um, with a celebrity pilot called John Lovelace. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, that was great. We ended up um, going on kind of... Um, an aircraft adventure up to like uh, Saskatchewan. Um, it's just just totally another part of the world. Like, as in everyone has Crazy like adventure. <laughs> oh, it was mental. We brought like 144 pilots and 70 smart aircraft up into northern Saskatchewan, <laughs> and uh, we basically brought them on an aircraft adventure where um, we just did all these really cool like outdoor stuff for them. It was a documentary for PBS. 
and um, so and what was your role with that like what, what were you so I was kind of like associate producer like working with the producer kind yeah. of just pulling everything together really I mean I had to learn like like on your aircraft <laughs> knowledge <laughs> like, yeah. couldn't tell you for the life of me now but I knew what all of the like tailplate said and everything you only like, needed for that six month period you yeah know, you, you won't need I learned it. well I didn't learn to fly but they did let me fly a little bit which is a bit scary because I didn't think they were actually letting me fly but um then they did <laughs> um but no that was brilliant and then I was coming back down to LA and my sister um was having a, a child in Australia she's my only sister and she was like look come out here and see your godson before you go back up there because he won't you know I know you, you you'll stay over there you'll be like oh, I can't go they might fire me so I was like right sure I'll go over I went over to Melbourne and I ended up staying there for six months so that was when I kind of changed up a little bit because my sister works with horses, like kind of race yards in Melbourne, and um, she was a head lass there. So I ended up actually taking her job riding race horses. Wow. <laughs> Which was <laughs> from airplanes to race horses. Very random. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, but no, we have like a bit of a background in horses and stuff. Yeah. But um, so yeah, that was pretty scary, but amazing. <laughs> Um, but I kind of like within that I started then um, filming their footage and sending and editing their footage and sending it off right, to the owners yeah. of the, like thoroughbreds. So I was like, okay, I kind of feel like I'm staying in the industry, mm-hmm. um, and I probably have never been more fit in my whole entire <laughs> life because you're up at like five a.m. in the morning, you know, and then you work just work split shifts like, um, and you work till seven o'clock in the evening. So yeah, and then if you're on top of that trying to do the film, you know, if you're if you're keeping on top of that as well as the actual work you're doing throughout the day, you're going to be yeah. yeah. So it was mental, yeah. but it was great. Like yeah. I mean, there's no better feeling than riding racehorse. Like, <laughs> um, yeah, kind of did that for a while, and then one day, um, I was swapped from a horse into another horse last minute, and the girl who rode my horse went out and like broke her like legs all the way. Down. <laughs> so I was like, great. Guess Maybe it's time for time. me to go back. Yeah. So I was uh, kind of just coming back here for a wedding then and going back to LA and I came back, met Peter and haven't left. Yeah. <laughs> okay. so, we have him to thank. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, it, you know, it's not like I feel like I couldn't go back, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Or I've just yeah. been, it's just been working for me since I came yeah. back. And, and it's all part of the same cycle really, isn't it? You know, you, you've No, it is like, and I just yeah. took all that experience, came back and like, you know, I suppose did the fear of Peter and then... I was kind of freelancing for a while there and did lots of different things. Went back into sport again, yeah. like did a bit of the toy show and like sports quiz and and comedy and you know comedy, you yeah, the TV shows and I mean for you, you're you're doing TV and and film and I know this is your first feature start to finish, but you have mm-hmm. worked with you know with others as well. Um, would you have a preference? Would you think you know? Would you be drawn more towards the work in TV, producing work in TV or in in film? Um, I don't really know. Like it's it's hard to say. I suppose now you know after this now I'm like I'm kind of like right I think I'm gonna it's more that like I do love film but now I'm just finding it really hard to try and like you know continuously be keeping up with reading scripts and yeah. still I was because you're kind of thinking right well you can do that on the side and you know because like you know, I'm getting a good few tv jobs but now I think I'm like right I don't think I can really kind of do mm. both anymore even though you know I love tv but I also love live tv do you know so you like you just a different animal altogether. Oh, you, you know you can't beat that. Yeah. <laughs> so obviously it's a process over a year of film, but that could be connected to racehorse now. The fact well, that like, <laughs> like the live TV. Yeah, <laughs> maybe the rush. You're you're chasing the rush. <laughs> <laughs> I've heard that before, um, but uh, no. Look, I absolutely love both, but um, yeah. I do think that I'm going to be concentrating like on film a lot more. I think they're both great, you yeah. know, and like yeah. there's so many parts. There's like it's. You know, they're transferable skills. They are. And I mean, certainly in the last couple of years as well, TV has become much higher thought of than it ever would have been before, you know. So there, there's there's opportunities now to, to make shows that are as highly, you know, as highly regarded critically as, as films are. So, 
you know, in the old days, if you were doing TV, it was a lesser thing than film, but I certainly don't think that's the case anymore. And I don't think it's been the case for a long time, you know? Yeah, no, of course. And I think, um, you know, obviously we're kind of briefly talking distribution. It's a lot easier for, you know, people to make the crossover now because there's a lot more ways of funding films. And, and, you know, the same with TV. Like, I think Ireland's never been busier Mm. for film or TV at the moment, which is great. It's hard to get staff because everyone's busy. But, like, sure, that's not a complaint, I suppose, you know. So you don't, like, I think there's actually... A lot of um, you know people who I even know in Hollywood come up come back here for auditions now, right. which is mental. Like yeah. when you were go- you know, you think of everyone going the other direction, but actually mm. you've got a lot going on here. Yeah. Exactly, and especially now with like technology, you know, you can Skype in well, for calls, yeah. interviews, yeah. like and everything. all of that feeds into the production as well. Like you're saying, there with the distribution pa- and platforms, there there is so many different avenues into what you you want to do now that. Um, it's just become such a fluid industry. Like you can you can move between things much more quickly and much mm-hmm. more easier, you know. Um. So, yeah. And I suppose down to funds. Then would you find like I mean, are there kind of universal rules across everywhere you've worked, or is Ireland quite a specific sort of environment for funding a film? Um. I mean, I suppose there's like lots of different ways you can fund anything, going from your short to like your TV show through the studios, or you know, it's obviously if for film you know, the foremost person is the Irish Film Board, you know, yeah. and I think um, they're getting, you know, more and more financing back now, and they obviously have a great team in there. And, they've you a know, good system in place that you know what you're doing when you approach them. And, yeah, you know, exactly, and they have, you know, a um, couple of different yearly deadlines now as well, so it's, okay. you know, easier for people, like, they're not just rushing to make kind of one deadline, and there's lots of co-producing opportunities now, you know, even within the Film Board, RTE, and especially even with the UK now, a lot of them are working with um, Irish broadcasters and TV and within films. So I think people are just realising that it's not like, um, you know, the funds aren't as far away as you would have thought they were mm-hmm. before, you know, that kind of yeah. way. And would you notice a difference, you know, with the recession kind of, uh, would you have noticed that things got particularly tight or were you, were you kind of away for a bit of that? Or? Uh, I was away for a, a bit of it, all right, but I suppose... Um, you know, budgets went down for everyone, yeah, and yeah. they're coming. It doesn't stop creativity, you know. Yeah, definitely not, and I suppose that's kind of maybe when Irish, Ireland even flourished a little bit, yeah. and people just going out and kind of making it anyway, you know. Which I think is what we're seeing the back end of right now, because even mm-hmm. the fact that the Young Offenders jointly won Best Irish Feature yeah. shows that the quality this year was was very high. You know that they couldn't pick <laughs> between two. You know. Yeah. No. I mean, like for us to even be on the same platform as you know, um, Dave from Mary and a Parallel Film was like amazing. You know, yeah. we were like the savage. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah. Um, over over your career as well, you've worked with tons of studios, like you were saying about Walt Disney and things like that. Like, um, I mean, I, for this, for this, I mean, at what point do it does a you know a, a big studio? And I suppose I'm just kind of inverting. I'm doing air quotes there, which is very obnoxious <laughs> on a podcast. But at what point do big studios tend to get involved? I mean, is is it something that you work with along yourself all the way along, and then you bring it um to a bigger studio for the distribution, or is it you know? Yeah, I mean, I suppose it totally depends. Like, we're just kind of reaching the point now where, I mean, I suppose it depends, obviously, through, like, you know, we're having a lot of chats with people, like, in the UK and in the States now about different things. And it's funny, like, even if you go to, um, you know, Cannes, you know, for film or MIP for TV, like, you have access to the biggest people in the studios right there in front of you. If your idea is good enough, like, you know, they're, they're there to listen, so... I think the myth of, you know, that they're always out in Hollywood, yeah. like, is definitely doesn't exist anymore, you know? Mm-hmm. It's like anyone can... Obviously, you need a contact, but especially if you go to any of those film markets, you can have direct access to the head of, like, you know, these departments. Like, there's no problem, and it'll filter through. But, but you've got an idea that's worth selling, that you, that you feel... 
yeah. it's worth telling that you're, you're going to find an avenue in, you're going to find a way to talk to them, yeah. Yeah, well, this is the thing. And obviously, um, you know, the Irish Film Board, uh, you mm-hmm. know, have an in with all of these, like, studios as well for co-finan- co-financing, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and would you find that, like, I mean, it would have been seen, I suppose, a predominantly male industry, especially when you're talking about boardrooms and production production rooms, um, and even crews that would have, you, you would kind of think of cameramen and things like that, like, and the, the clue is in the word. Would that be your experience now? Would you say that things are changing, that women are, are having more access and uh, you know getting more involved at the different levels of filmmaking? Yeah, definitely. I suppose there's there's obviously a massive shift at the moment, like with women, film or women in film and TV, um, you know, which is amazing. Like, mm-hmm. and I think like in Ireland, well, personally, like I've never felt that it's um, you know that I've been put down in that kind of way, you know. And like mm-hmm. a lot of my mentors have been male, you know, and they've yeah. been very open to me going up through the ranks you know that kind of way but um there's a lot of you know actresses coming up now i suppose especially from dave from mary and you know hillary rose and everyone and like i suppose in hollywood it's it's a little bit different in like the executive higher level positions and obviously for the actresses on like big paydays you know yeah. like there is clearly a discrepancy there and we've all read the emails yes. so we know <laughs> we know what's going on um but i mean i'm sh- like it is there um you know a little bit in ireland as well but like I, there's definitely a shift, but you know, personally, I've never felt yeah. like that. That's been like a massive issue for me. And I guess the, the other side of it is when you're looking at America. I suppose America and Hollywood would be, would be our film touchstone area, mm-hmm. like where people would think of when they think of film production, they think of Hollywood, and that would be something that would be in our heads as quite male dominated because mm-hmm. all the movies about producers are always about male producers, and and the big producers have always been male producers. But even the fact now that that sort of stuff is being reported, like people care now. Yeah. You know, years ago it was just taken for granted that that's the, it's men at the top and that's the way it is. Yeah. But like you say about you know the actresses, the the emails coming out, the, the fact that they're being paid such such a different amount, mm-hmm. and that people are actually reacting to that angrily. People are saying this isn't the way it should be. Yeah. So it does seem as if things are you know. Are, are no, definitely. And I suppose it's even making people who are entering the industry even more aware now that if they did think, we'll say, directing was a more or producing was a more male dominated thing before, then they're going in with their eyes open to to their course or whatever and all their teachers now being like well you know you could be a director you yeah. know you don't have to just you know be a producer or whatever way yeah. it is you know that kind of way but and obviously people are now actively also writing scripts you know for that are you know for women as well so yeah. or more I suppose depending on the theme of it like but I suppose it has to be an even keel as well yeah. <laughs> famous famous word of balance this is, the, <laughs> this is the difficult part of it all <laughs> Um, yeah, I, like uh, in general, I suppose in uh, the way it seems, especially in Ireland, because we have got a, a smaller sort of industry, and people tend to know each other. You know, so mm-hmm. networking is very important. It's very important at all levels, but in Ireland, it, it it seems to be you know people tend to know each other quite a lot. A lot of the media work in the last couple of years has become much more freelance and much more contract based. Like nobody's getting a job for life anymore in in any really any position all the way along. Mm-hmm. And you know, on the one hand. It kind of seems like people don't want a job for life, you know. Like you, you know, when you when you look at yourself now, what you've come through with the different jobs you've done, mm-hmm. that that has all given you something different that you bring now to where you are at this point. So you're not going to want to be at the same point in ten years. You're not going to want yeah. to be in the same exact position. So would you see it as sort of a you know a benefit or or a downside to the fact that we we don't get permanent jobs anymore? That we're all sort of. I think it, it just totally depends on the type of person that you are. Do you know what I mean? And if you would prefer to, like, you know, be in a stable job or if you prefer to, like, pr- be freelance, you know, because obviously if you're in a permanent job, you can be consistently learning and rising to the top yeah. as the same as if you're freelance, you know. Like, I'm 
like, I mean, have a consistent like thirst for knowledge and what, what's in everyone's brain. So I'm just going to go around and try to pick it. Um, but like, I mean, I think contracting is great in that yeah. like you can you work in different companies, you learn how different companies are run because there's no one way to do it. Do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? And that's what's great about working with Peter is like he's just always open to, you know, okay, well, maybe we'll just try it this way or maybe yeah. we'll try it this way. Like, you know, maybe I'm not right. Maybe you're not right. Yeah. Let's ask anyone what they think. So it's <laughs> more know? collaborative then, like, that you yeah. feel more involved. Yeah. Of course. But like, it, yeah, like it's, I suppose there isn't as many like full-time jobs anymore, but there is, you know, there's still there to be had. Like, yeah. it just kind of depends. I personally think it keeps me on my toes. Yeah. And I think it keeps, you know, a lot of people on their toes, like having to, just be on your game yeah. and like it just and it keeps the ideas I spoke bit fresh then as well because you're yeah. you're I I guess you're trying to impress all the time and I don't mean that that you're trying to impress other people you're actually trying to impress yourself yeah. in a way because you don't like you don't want to think I'm still coming up with the same stuff I'm still doing the same things as I did five years ago you know yeah. you, you want to move on you know yeah and it's I mean it's very hard like for development and like you know consistently like reading different scripts and but like it definitely does keep you on your toes yeah. I mean you know, it can be very hard going, obviously. And do you find do you find yourself thinking in terms of production? Like, do you when you're reading books or watching plays or anything like that? Like, do you do you have a little part of your brain that clicks in and says this would work, or you know? Oh yeah, definitely. I'm like always wondering, like, someone made that. Let's see if I can find that. See how fast I can Google to see if that's going to be a movie. <laughs> Um, or people telling good stories at a party or you <laughs> oh yeah totally I'm brutal for that with TV shows though I'm like oh yeah that'd be a great TV show <laughs> but then I'm like no need to focus on film yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah definitely I mean I suppose that's the same for writers as well yeah. do you know like they're just writing kind of what they hear around them maybe mm-hmm. it'd be their friends or kind of you know totally yeah. like you know things like Bridget Neyman like you know that's kind of like you yeah. know it's Irish where can you Irish take this then you know yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> Um, but yeah, so I'm a, I'm yeah I'm a serial eavesdropper. Yeah, yeah, basically. Yeah, I'm pretty bad. I once followed someone off a bus just to see where they were going. That's not a conversation. <laughs> why, why were you following this person? <laughs> I was just wondering where he went every day. What is your life, and can I make it into a movie? <laughs> pretty much. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I suppose. It's a really weird question to ask, but do you have any tips that would be helpful for somebody thinking about production? Because it is, it's a different thing. Like, I mean, you know, for a lot of people, they sort of, they think of themselves in terms of being a director or being a writer, that that's something Mm -hmm. they have, you know, in their heads from a young age when they watch movies. I mean, did that happen to you? Did you sort of think production was, was something you were more interested in from an early age or... Well, like, I just loved watching movies, like, yeah. do you know what I mean? I, I don't actually really even watch TV, like, I'll watch my favourite films on TV, like, but I wouldn't sit down and just watch, like, a run-in-the-mill game show or whatever, you know? Except for Glee. Except for Glee. <laughs> uh, yeah. Not run-in-the-mill, thank you. <laughs> um, but, like, movies, I just absolutely adore them. Like, yeah. I didn't know what I wanted to do in them. Actually, I think I wanted to be an actor when I was young. Um, but you just knew but, movies was where... Yeah, like I, you know, and then that kind of just started with TV, you know, it just seemed like the logical thing that was closer to get to, yeah. you know, that kind of way. But like, um, yeah, I've always loved movies, so I just kind of, you know, just wanted to get into them and yeah. started the path. <laughs> and just as an offshoot of that, Nick, I'm asking random ones here now. <coughs> you know, you've covered a ton of different genres <laughs> and even yourself, like working with the sports and working with, you know, all these different things. Is there something that you would come back to? Like, do you find comedy a nicer thing to work with? Um, I know you were saying live TV is something that you absolutely love. 
is that tied in with the comedy end of things? Is, is it live comedy sort of TV that you prefer? And then with, does that translate to the movies? Like, is it comedy that you... Yeah, no, I mean, it's definitely comedy. And, like, mostly because, you know, I just like having the crack on set. <laughs> <laughs> like, so, yeah. if you're laughing, and, like, during The Young Offenders, I swear to God, 90% of the time we were just laughing. Yeah. It was, like, the lines on the page were funny, but the random, like, lines the lads were coming up with were funny. Obviously, it's just... It's nice to be a comedy environment, but I like I love watching you know dramas, thriders like this, yeah. you know. And the best, and a lot of the best comedy anyway has currents of you know truth and drama running underneath it anyway, you know. Yeah. And I think it's something that the Irish do quite well, and a lot of our films reflect that is that you have the, the funny moments, but the characters will always have these moments of depth and moments of drama that you really can identify with as well, you know. Yeah, no, of course, and I think that's hopefully what we had in the Young <laughs> Offenders as well. But I mean, like Irish comedies are just amazing, like yeah. you know, like snapper commitments, like they're just the most amazing yeah. movies like you know Man About a Dog like a load of them like they're just brilliant yeah. The Guard like hello yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah I actually don't really watch like big Hollywood comedy movies or I mean I appreciate Bridesmaid and blah blah yeah. blah but um, I just I like making comedy even though I may not watch as many comedies on TV as I would like um, dramatic thrillers or whatever no, you know? and we have a particular relationship to it in this country because yeah. our storytelling and everything it's all very comedy based even when it is like I was saying even when it is serious we, exactly. we do go back to it like it's part of our conversation I think like even Into the West like that's not a comedy yeah. yet I think it's the best movie in the whole entire world <laughs> If I could just make something like Into the West, I'd <laughs> be happy for the rest of my life. Tato. <laughs> and um, so, like, for somebody who was trying to get into the industry, would you advise to do, as you were, you were saying, like, to try and get into a few different things, you know, try and experience as, as much as you can in the different roles? And, yeah, and definitely. And along that way. I mean, like, when I know on TV anyway, like, I kind of, I understand, like, nearly all the roles the whole way up. So, you, like, it's easier for you to produce if you understand why people are having problems with yeah, different roles or just course, kind of yeah. having a fuller knowledge of it. Like, I would, like, techie-wise now, you know, I wouldn't be the most techie person in the world, but on the production side of it, you know, yeah. it's like Peter's, like, Mr. Techie, Mr. Editor, Mr. Director, Mr. Producer. You're just like, shoot me now. But, like... <laughs> Um, so this is years of work put all this together after years of work um, but I mean I definitely advise people having you know look around in different departments if yeah. they don't know what they do and that will like kind of maybe help them make that decision like you know I always knew that I kind of wanted to take the producing role once I got into it you know yeah. I never really wanted to direct you know and mm-hmm. I think a lot of people fall into directing as well or they might come from the editing side of it yeah. you know totally yeah. depends um but, but for you, it wasn't that wasn't what attracted you. You you enjoyed the production end. Yeah, like I just kind of like putting it together. Yeah, <laughs> see, that's the library stuff. See it all. I knew that was going to happen when I studied it for three years. I thought there's a reason I'm looking at this library book. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing's ever wasted, you know. Um, it's not though. That is true. Yeah, yeah. Like you know, even turning on that light switch on and off gave me patience like I've never seen before. Yeah. <laughs> Well, on that note, <laughs> listen, thanks a million for talking to us. It was really good. And um, like, it's just great to, to hear all the different things that you've done, basically. I mean, you're thanks. incredibly eclectic. And um, I'm sure it won't be the last we're hearing from you. Hopefully. And, um, yeah, so The Young Offenders is out Friday. Yeah, um, September 16th. It's general release. Yeah, it actually is having the largest release of any Irish film this year. Thanks to This Perfect podcast was Welfare. brought to you by Film Island <laughs> in partnership with Thank Women you. in and, Film uh, and Television Arts. <laughs> <laughs> Cheers. <laughs>